Hello, I'm Annette Young and welcome to the 51% show about women reshaping our world. Coming up, we mark the first anniversary of the death in custody of Masa Amini, detained by Iranian authorities for allegedly not wearing a headscarf properly. Her killing resulting in a massive wave of popular unrest. We'll be talking shortly to Iranian journalist Hannah Kaviani on what has happened to the protest movement in recent months. Also, France offers refuge to a group of prominent Afghan women activists who have been living in exile in Pakistan since fleeing the Taliban. But first, and it's one year since Masa Amini died in custody after being arrested by Iran's infamous morality police. The 22-year-old was detained for allegedly not properly wearing a headscarf her death resulting in a popular uprising which led to the Iranian regime to impose an extraordinarily harsh crackdown, with more than 500 people killed and over 22,000 people being detained. Lying in bed, intubated in hospital, the price 22-year-old Mahsa Amini first paid for incorrectly wearing her headscarf, then to die three days later from a lack of oxygen to her brain. This photograph of her family members learning of her death went round the world. The journalist who took it, now in prison. Shortly after, anger spread from Mahsa's home region of Kurdistan, and a movement emerged, especially among students. Crowds of women removing their hijabs, some going so far as to burn them, all in protest against the Iranian morality police, responsible for enforcing the Islamic dress code. Others cut their hair a practice that caught on among the country's diaspora, like here in Berlin, and it even reached the European Parliament. Until the women of Iran are free, we are going to stand with you. Jian, Jian, Azadi, women, life, freedom. Faced with growing unrest, the Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei made this statement. You know how to say this incident happened a young girl died. It was a bitter incident. We were also upset. Arrest numbers climbed rapidly, and it is estimated a total of 20,000 were detained over these protests. But the movement remained strong, and 40 days after Max's death, crowds gathered outside the cemetery where she was buried in the city of Sekez. And, undeterred by the repression, when President Ibrahim Raisi used a speech at a Tehran university to condemn the protests, he was met with shouts of get lost, Raisi. Online, actors uploaded photographs of themselves without headscarves, holding up slogans such as women, life, freedom. Tarane Ali Dusti was detained for three weeks. And the death of Masa Amini still reverberates across Iran to this very day. Joining me now from Prague is Iranian journalist Hannah Kaviani, a broadcaster with Radio Fada. Hannah, thank you so much for your time. As a result of this crackdown, we've seen a demise in those mass demonstrations. So does the protest movement still exist in Iran? Uh, during the past year, especially in the um, aftermath of the protests which we saw on the streets, what we see now is other acts of protest. Um, that is uh, the women who refuse to wear the uh, compulsory uh, hijab, the headscarf, 
and they go on the streets. Uh, in bigger cities, we know that the number is higher in smaller and more traditional religious cities. The number is uh, smaller. In Tehran, for example, we know in certain neighborhoods, the number is much bigger. But uh, they, the women are braving uh, their way into the streets without those uh, scarves. And that is not because the government or the state decided to just let go of these women. No, uh, to the contrary, this summer we have seen a lot of uh, activities from the side of government to uh, pass new laws when it comes to hijab and chastity rules and so on and so forth. The other act of protest is what we see from the families of those killed during these protests, the mothers, the fathers, sisters, brothers, children who are um, attending ceremonies, who are going to the graveyards, who are shouting the names of their loved ones on the streets. So these acts of protest continue, but obviously that mass protest, no, this is something we haven't seen uh, for the past months and uh, we are waiting to see what's going to come after this anniversary and uh, the anniversary of hundreds of people who were killed during those protests. Just give me a sense of what life has been like, you know, what daily life has been like in the last 12 months in Iran for those women protesting against the regime and those who support them. So uh, people are living their lives right now uh, as normal as the word normal can mean in this uh, situation that Iran is facing right now. Obviously, economically also, the life is really tough for Iranians. The devaluation of real uh, has been a really serious issue in the past year. The, the uh, inflation in uh, very high numbers is something that Iranians are dealing with. So when you are talking about a group of people very unsatisfied, wishing to protest, you have to also have in mind that these people have to be able to get by economically to be able to also have the power to um, protest on the street. So uh, uh, it's not an easy life, I would say. And that's what I want to ask you. Has the cost of living crisis in the country distracted people from the issue of women's rights? I mean, this is something for... Um, um, economists and uh, politicians to talk about. What we see and what we report is that people are uh, seriously dealing with a economic crisis and it's not going to get easier as long as the situation of mismanagement of economy together with international sanctions continue, obviously. But I can't say that because they were, because we have also uh, on the, we are seeing these women as much as they suffer economically, they are coming on the street without their hijab. And I have to add, this is not only a hijab issue when it comes to women. There are many discriminatory laws against women which we see being raised by men and women right now, there is sort of like an enlightenment, awareness when it comes to all these discriminatory laws. Hijab thing is maybe the symbol of all, but they are trying to fight them all at the same time. So as somebody who knows the country well and has watched these events from afar, Will the Iranian government succeed in suppressing all opposition or is this an inflection point? You know, this is not an easy question to answer, but I have to say what we have seen in the past 12 months after the 
uh, death of Mahsa Amini in police custody was something which Iran never experienced before. I said it uh, earlier that Iran is uh, familiar to protests, but this one was very different. When you have tens of thousands of people arrested, it means that tens of thousands of families are involved in this kind of protest. They are getting to know what it means, the brutal crackdown, the human rights violations. And that awareness brings you to something. Either uh, it's going to be a, a protest action or it's going to be an awareness which pass on in generation. If this is going to mean that Islamic Republic will survive or not, this is not something that I can predict, obviously. But there is a sense what we see, how the government is preparing for this anniversary, how many people they have already arrested from the families of those killed. It's obvious that Islamic Republic is concerned about what has gone uh, in uh, in the country for the past 12 months. Anna Caviani, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thanks for having me. And to another country where women's rights have been eradicated. Five Afghan women who had long been threatened by the Taliban have recently arrived in France after living in Pakistan. They include a former university president and a TV presenter. All are dedicated to fighting for gender equality in Afghanistan, a fight they say that they will continue from abroad. Alison Sargent, Jonathan Walsh and Hafiz Miakel report. It's a moment of relief for these Afghan women arriving in Paris after months of uncertainty. They were among the millions who fled the country after the Taliban returned to power. In neighboring Pakistan, they'd found some refuge, but no hope for the future. There was no opportunity for us, no economic opportunity, no opportunity to study. We are with continuous threat of deportation, detention by the police. Now, at least I'll be able to start my life anew. I'm happy because I'm freer. I'll be free. Many women leave Afghanistan alone and find themselves vulnerable in neighboring countries, like these five women who were exceptionally welcomed in France, thanks to the advocacy of a French collective fighting for their cause. It's really an added ordeal to wait all alone in Iran or Pakistan, when in fact we can get them here in four months and accommodate them through a system that's well established. What we're asking is that the visa process be facilitated so it can go faster, so they don't necessarily need guarantors in France. The group heads to a regional transit centre near Paris, where our team goes to meet them several days later. All were threatened by the Taliban because they fought for women's rights. Najla Latif ran a university in Kabul. Muzgan Farahi was a television presenter. Those who run Afghanistan consider us miscreants. We work with foreigners, we take part in campaigns supporting women, and we inspire others. So according to them, we're showing women the wrong path. Afghan women are waiting for our help now that we've left and we're safe. It's easier for us to make our voices heard than for those who stayed in Afghanistan or Pakistan. Naveen Hashim is an economic researcher who worked with international NGOs before the Taliban seized power in 2021. The life for Afghan women ended with the Taliban. What right now I can do and the, the, the girls and women of Afghanistan can do just to get knowledge, 
just more uh, get more and more education so that in future whenever there will be some other government and we will be working for their progress of our country. According to the United Nations, 600,000 Afghans have fled their country since 2021. The vast majority of them remain in Pakistan and Iran. And that's all for this edition. We'd love to hear your suggestions for the 51%, so do get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And you can catch our previous episodes on our website. So until our next show, bye for now.